Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Confluence Cast presented by Columbus Underground. We are a weekly Columbus-centric podcast focusing on the civics, lifestyle, entertainment, and people of our city. I'm your host, Tim Fulton. This week, five years after approving a restructuring of Columbus City Council, voters this fall will see an expanded council where members reside in geographic districts, but one that remains largely the same in terms of who sits in the chamber. This week, Columbus Underground co-founder Walker Evans discusses the change, the lack of participation in the races, and a new resource for Columbusites to explore their respective districts. You can get more information on what we discussed today in the show notes for this episode at theconfluencecast.com. The Confluence Cast is sponsored this week by the Mid-Ohio Regional Planning Commission, or MORPSI, Featuring stories about local and regional partners that envision and embrace innovative directions in economic prosperity, transportation, sustainability, and an inclusive Central Ohio. Morpsey's transformative programming, innovative services, and public policy initiatives are designed to promote and support the vitality and growth in the region. For more information, please visit morpsey.org. Enjoy the interview. Sitting down here in person with the co-founder of Columbus Underground, Walker Evans. Walker, how are you, sir? Good. How are you, Tim? Doing well. Doing well. Sitting down here having a discussion about the changes that are coming to voting in Columbus, Ohio, specifically for Columbus City Council. Yeah. We are going to a model where city council members have to reside in a specific district in order to be elected. However, all voters will vote for, is that the way to say it? Yeah, yeah. They're calling it a hybrid model. Okay. So we're moving from an at-large system to like a hybrid district system. Right. Because in a lot of, like you were saying, in a lot of other cities, districts are voted upon only by people who reside within those districts. And we think of those as ward systems for the most part. Yeah, ward, district, borough, mm-hmm. depending on the city and the state, they have different names for it. But And so as a result of this change, every member of council will be either elected or reelected this year. Mm-hmm. Additionally, there will be two new seats. Yes. Yeah, we're moving from seven to nine. And it's it's pretty substantial because I think it's the first time in like 100 years that council has undergone a big uh, change like this, um, which is pretty wild because when you think about seven people representing everyone in the city of Columbus, 100 years ago, we were a much smaller city. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're a little over 900,000 people now. And so when you break that down between seven people, each person represents over 100,000. What's that, like 120,000 people? Mm-hmm. Um, so even just a jump from seven to nine, like course corrects for that a little bit and is there in this model do we have the potential to go up to 15 is that right uh I f- I or do we trash that um well th- the reason it's a little confusing is because there have been other proposals to move to a system like this over the past couple of years mm-hmm. and i look back and i think actually the very first episode of this podcast as the confluence cast was on the very topic of the ward system that was being proposed in 2016 hmm. it was issue one there you are looking at my history. Yes, Thank yeah, you. yeah. Digging deep into Tim's browser history. <laughs> uh, and um, yeah, there, it was a citizen-led initiative. Um, it failed at the time. But I think councils move to, to 
you know, it's kind of the city-led initiative to move to mm-hmm. this was so that they could say, okay, this is what more and more people are wanting. How would we, you know, do this in a way that maybe makes the most sense, you know, from from their point of view? And like many citizen initiatives, basically, they said, hey, don't approve that. We've got something different or better for you. Yeah. Well, I think even in 2016, they were just saying, like, it not, it's not broke. Let's not fix what's not broke sort of a mm. thing. Um, but it wasn't until a couple of years later when... Uh, sort of our existing uh, politicians and infrastructure said, you know, if we're going to make a move to this kind of system, what what do we think that it should look like? Because if you go back and look at the issue one from 2016, I think it was a 13 member system they were proposing then. Mm-hmm. It was a 10 district system and every member would only be voted upon by those in those 10 districts and then three at large. That's right. Yeah. So if you lived in district five, you'd be voting for your person in district five and for the other three at larges. So there, it was also a hybrid system. And again, like every city is is different. So, And in order to draw the map, the mm-hmm. city basically appointed a commission, a, a panel of folks yeah. to figure out different ways to do it. They submitted, th- in fact, three different maps and mm-hmm. guidance systems for how it should go. Yeah. Council then voted on which map to approve. Mm-hmm. One that took into account a variety of factors, including neighborhood adjacency uh well basically not wanting to split up the individual neighborhoods yeah as best as possible as, as best they can there's yeah. certainly but, uh, but also trying to keep like a demographic mix in mind mm-hmm. as best as possible and uh, population each district represents the same number of people as best as possible right and they will redraw the maps every 10 years but based on that same basically model map yeah same same parameters exactly just including slightly different census blocks as i've dived into the data and found like here's how this thing is actually constructed yeah yeah because central ohio is growing by twenty four thousand people per year that's not all within the city of columbus boundaries that's Mm -hmm. that's the region so i mean yeah you fast forward 10 years you know and if you add another hundred thousand people to the region then the the district demographics are going to change and be almost double what they currently are. Yeah, yeah. So at this point, the maps are approved. Franklin County Board of Elections has certified the candidates that are running mm-hmm. in each district, each residential district. I want to be explicit about what it is. Yeah. Spoiler alert, other than Mitchell Brown, who was just recently appointed to Liz Brown's seat, mm-hmm. no relation, all of the incumbent city council members are running for these seats. Yes. Some folks have moved in the last couple of years mm-hmm. uh, so that they are all in separate districts. So then additionally, so let's do the math again. There were seven city council members. Mm-hmm. There are now nine with Mitchell Brown, not running. Then there are three net new candidates right. for those existing seats. I will say also only two of the districts is there going to be an election, basically? Yes, a, a challenger to the incumbent, yeah. Correct. So that's District 4, which is currently Emmanuel Remy's seat, and then Nick Bankston's seat. Mm-hmm. Why do you believe there are so few folks running for council? That's a great question. Um, I've, I've seen some, uh, some chatter on uh, the social medias okay. uh, saying that, you know, it's because these, you know, entrenched incumbent 
party towing Democrats have all the power mm-hmm. and no one feels like they can even run against them. And okay. I think that's one conclusion that you could come to. Okay. The barrier to entry is very low. You need to collect 250 valid signatures 90 days in advance of the primary. Okay. That's not that many people. You know, like you could probably do that on a, on a weekend if you got like a small group of mm-hmm. people to help you out. You know, I, I think you could also come to the conclusion that people don't know that this is happening. I was just watching um, a piece that NBC4 did with council that I think aired last November. Uh, it's on YouTube, on the city council uh, YouTube channel. And they did some man on the street sort of stuff like, do you know that city council is changing? And of course, everyone's like, no, no, mm-hmm. I don't know this. No, um, which I think kind of speaks more volumes about like, it's just not getting out there in the news to some degree. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think a lot of people, you know, the, the third conclusion, I think, is that they're just fine with the way city council is operating. They mm-hmm. don't think too positively or negatively of it to take that much action to run against uh, the current council. And if they have issues with day-to-day life in Columbus, maybe they don't blame it on council as being the source of their day-to-day struggles. Their woes. Yeah, yeah. And so I, th- I think a lot of people think that like they're doing a fine enough job and, and kind of it is what it is. I do think it's interesting for a city as large as Columbus, we're what, the 14th largest city in, mm-hmm. in the nation, um, the local Republican Party is not running anyone. Yeah, a lot of the challengers that we've seen to city council because we have a full Democrat Democratic city council. We haven't had a Republican on city council in like over a quarter century. We we're approaching the quarter century mark without having a Re- Republican mayor either. Mm-hmm. We haven't had one since the year two thousand. The last couple of years, city council challengers have always been other wings of Democrat mm-hmm. or leftist groups saying that, you know, the status quo Democrats just aren't doing enough. They're not going far enough left. And so they're getting challenged more. I I kind of equate it to when you see like the the Biden uh, administration versus kind of like the Bernie. Yeah. You know, when 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 those kind of uh, groups are scoring off against each other, that's kind of what we've seen locally over the past several election cycles. I'd say past decade that we, we just haven't had Republican challengers. And I think that's interesting. Absolutely. Well, and I will insert when you and I were first having this conversation about why why is candidate participation so low Mm -hmm. that I would point back to the city structure at large, that the charter for the city basically is written with a very, very strong mayor. Mm -hmm. Uh, Hence those on city council. Yes. They approve the budget. Yes. They set the laws Mm -hmm. as much as they're able to Mm -hmm. in a Republican controlled state. But they don't have a whole lot of oversight authority. The individual departments of the city, public safety, zoning, mm-hmm. are run by the mayor and the mayor's office. That's true, but I think there's a lot of cross-collaboration there mm-hmm. uh, that we've seen over the years. And because everyone is kind of the same the same party, the same Franklin County Democratic Party, you know, squabbles are minor. Or certainly not public. Yeah, yeah. I I think everyone kind of is on the same page in terms of how to get stuff done. You know, the the opposition to that says like, well, they're all in cahoots. They're all, you know, like we're not having good conversations and things like that. But you don't want to take that in such a far direction that you end up like national politics where it's like everyone is just obstructionist and nobody gets anything done. Yeah. You know, like the, the reason Americans don't like, you know, Congress and the house of representatives, like our legislative branch of government, everyone thinks so low of it because mm-hmm. nothing ever gets anything accomplished because they're all just fighting with each other. Yeah. And so we have kind of the polar opposite, which is no fights ever at all. Yeah. Well, and it was interesting, I think to both of us when we, when candidates first started 
doing their petition drives, mm-hmm. even the three net new candidates yeah. that I don't believe were formally endorsed by the Democratic Party, by mm-hmm. the Franklin County Democratic Party, they were part of that petition drive as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they all work. I mean, they're all the same party. So, of course, they yeah. all work together. Yeah. Well, but so arguably when, there were conversations. Well, all I'm pointing out is yeah. that there were very likely conversations about like, yep, we like this woman, Melissa Green, for mm-hmm. this net new seat, District 6 in the Southwest. Let's help her by pulling in petitioners, by helping get her on the ballot. And then there's also been some coordinated fundraising activity Mm -hmm. seemingly through president Hardin's office how does that you know that doesn't feel like a democratic process you just mean in terms of it doesn't feel like a democratic process to put up a slate of candidates without a public conversation about who those candidates are going to be even a party conversation sure sure and i I mean that that really you know i I always like to take a step back and look at these like is this a columbus problem or is this like an america problem Hmm. and i mean what you're talking about is is just the way a political party functions Mm -hmm. like a group of like-minded individuals get together and they're all going to decide internally of how they can work best together and try and win as a group versus everybody just kind of being out there on their own and no one's really collaborating or or doing anything in lockstep so i i see where you're coming from from that but also like they're all on the same team why wouldn't they play as a team Mm -hmm. you know what i mean um i just i i do think it's interesting that we 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 don't like the the amount of challengers we're seeing is so low. Like I I think that this has been a really big ongoing process for the past couple of years mm-hmm. to the point where I I thought we'd at least see you know three or four people per um, district like running and then we'd have a primary in May and then the general election in November. Um, but as it stands right now, we literally don't even have a primary. No no no. I mean so uh, district one two three six seven eight nine mm-hmm. all only have one person running. So they've basically already won the election in November. And with only two candidates, you don't need a primary. Right. So those right. those candidates won't be um, going in front of voters in May, only in November between between the two. So. Uh, it's it's pretty wild that we're in that situation. But, you know, I, I, we, we don't need to go too in-depth with it, but it's almost the same story with Columbus City School Board because hmm. there are school board seats open. There's very few challengers. Everyone's kind of the same party. Yeah. And then for the basically countering my point about the charter, there's only one challenger to Ginther's re-election campaign. Right, which is one more than last time he ran. True. He ran unopposed. True. Yeah. Which again just goes back to you know, and, and I, I reached well, out. Well, it's a participation issue, right? It, it, it is. It is. But but again, you know, I, people complain about Genther. They think he's not doing enough for their neighborhood or their issues or mm-hmm. whatever. But no one is so angry that they're gonna like mount actual opposition to it. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think it's 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 almost like just a lack of momentum. You know, everyone's just too lethargic to <laughs> to to get that fired up. Or they're focused on like national political issues or international. Poli- you know, everyone has so many things going on in their lives that like when the grocery store is expensive, do you really care to run for city council? Like that's going to change anything at Kroger. Yeah. And this is a net new thought. I So reflecting back to the episode we did on the North Graveyard in the North Market parking lot, towards the end of that episode, the discussion sort of became around ownership of a problem mm-hmm. that... You know, certainly it's terrible that these folks were were buried and then abandoned and then 
their remains lived for 150 years under a excuse me a fucking parking lot yeah well and and 12 other buildings that were, that yes. were built on top of it over 100 years ago yes that yeah. we will likely never rectify that sure. issue yeah but the fact that we now with the construction of the merchant building have the opportunity to rectify a wrong mm-hmm. and frankly own it yeah. you know yeah. with in a respectful way mm-hmm. It feels as though the lack of political participation in the form of candidates is part of Columbus's problem. Sure. Of what Columbus isn't doing very well. Yeah. Well, and just to circle back to the Republican thing, mm-hmm. every time we've done a story on this, so we've reached out to the GOP. Uh, they don't respond to emails. Hmm. Um, if you go to their website and look at their candidate slate, it's from November 2022. Okay. So they don't even have any updated information on this year's elections because they still they still promote like uh, judges. And, yeah. Okay. Uh, a, cu- a couple of county things, all that's really gone down. Uh, hmm. Almost everything from twenty twenty two was about um, statewide races. So it's just Franklin County Republican support for statewide candidates. They're just trying to get the word out on like huh. voting for Dewine or whatever. Interesting. Yeah, but they they don't even run city council candidates anymore, which I think is. I, I think that speaks a lot more volumes about, you know, they, they don't think that they can win, so why bother wasting people's time and money? Yeah. V- versus being upset and thinking, we have a better plan, we can do something better. Or, again, I just, I think that it's almost as though Columbus, Columbusites don't take much ownership or enough ownership over the city that they purport to love well an interesting stat about columbus and again this is this is an america problem this isn't just columbus we just a couple of years ago hit the the halfway point the 50 percent mark for uh rentership okay so over half of all residents are renters and that number is hmm. climbing and that and it's climbing in most cities not that renters don't care, right? but there's a bit of a detachment issue sometimes that can come from having a majority renter population versus homeowners who, yeah, I'm generalizing, but are more mm-hmm. likely to, oh, there's a pothole there, I'm going to call 311 and get it fixed, or oh, I'm going to go to my neighborhood you know, uh, commission meeting because right. I want to have a voice in these kinds of issues. Renters always feel like, well... I might move next year. So what, what do I care what happens here? You know, again, that's, that's very general, you know, cause yeah. there, there are a lot of renters that, that care and there's a lot of homeowners that don't, but that could be contributing to maybe a more general trend. Literally the o- lack of ownership is due to the lack of ownership. Sure. And a lot of our, our population's young. I think the, the median age in Columbus is like 32, which mm-hmm. is below the national average. Um, a lot of people have moved here recently, so they just haven't maybe even taken the time to get involved. So that's, you know, that's, I think that could be some of the issue. Absolutely. Yeah. I do want to pivot slightly and make sure that we include here in this episode, when we were talking about the districts, this was maybe like two months ago at this point, we're joking that the districts need names. Yes. And I volunteered to spin up a website to submit names for the districts. Yeah. As a result of this, I went kind of far down a mapping demographic census blocks census tracks census block groups rabbit hole yeah and built a website columbusdistricts.com 
where not only can you submit a name for the individual districts, these are suggestions. I do not believe we plan on having folks vote on <laughs> the names. We don't want to end up with district McDistricty face, <laughs> but that we will take those submissions and, and distribute them and make yeah. folks aware of them and maybe a, a panel will decide on the best names and yeah. those districts can adopt them or not. In addition to that, the website has a breakdown of demographic information on each district, mm -hmm. specifically looking at the neighborhoods that are within the district, the candidate or candidates that are running, the points of interest in the district, the median income of the district, the poverty rate within the district, mm -hmm. and then the racial makeup of the district. Yeah, it's a lot of data. It's, it's really great. It's interesting. And shout out to the folks of the city of Columbus that handed off the census block group information that I was able to then pull that information from. So not only can you submit name suggestions, but then also there's a spot on, I think, every page that says, do you have a suggestion, mm -hmm. something that we should fix? Maybe there's a point of interest that's not there. Maybe you have an image that better represents the district. That's all there. In my head, I went down this rabbit hole because I am personally proud of Columbus. And I think that there's some opportunities to have discussions about what each district may need. And the person who represents each district hopefully has an opportunity to see what they should be working towards. Yeah. I think one thing that's really interesting uh, when you start looking at the map and really start to zoom in mm -hmm. on, on different areas, one of the talking points I've heard some of the current council people talk about with the the positivity behind this transition mm. is that you have representation on your based on your area or your neighborhood or whatever. Yeah. And they and they keep saying neighborhood. But when you look at these districts, they're gigantic. You know, Columbus yeah. Columbus is a community of probably over a hundred neighborhoods, probably two hundred neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. So when you divide that into nine, you end up with very large groups of neighborhoods. So I live in District Seven mm -hmm. on the Near East Side. But that district also includes Fifth by Northwest, Milo Grogan, um, Marion Village, Franklinton, you know, which are all very different neighborhoods with, you know, potentially different issues and concerns. Mm -hmm. It also stretches all the way down and touches Grove City. So everything like on the inside of 270, like on the other side of 270 from Grove City is also District 7. And it's yeah. like, that's a place I, n I never go. I don't live there. I don't shop there. I don't work there. So I don't go up and down those streets. So... Yeah, I, I think I think it's a little bit ambitious to say, like, you're going to have true neighborhood representation on council when these districts just represent such large geographic areas. So I'm going to counter you slightly. OK, in that I think folks who live in districts that are outside of District 7 view where you live. You live in King Lincoln, Bronzeville. Folks that live outside of downtown do kind of consider that the same as Franklinton, you know, I will point out, though, there's districts like District 2 where it is just totally geographically bisected yeah, yeah, yeah. by Arlington and Hilliard. Yeah. And then basically the other half of that population lives south of it. And it's just this nice little strip along 33 that allows that to be one district. Yeah. So all that being said, I think folks should look at the maps. The maps are done. Yeah. Let's, you know, let's not go crazy about it. Right. But look at it see where your district is there's a link on the site for folks to go back to the city's map 
so that they can literally just type in their address to see what district is. Mm -hmm. Get familiar with the candidate that will be representing you unless you live in district four or five. Mm -hmm. That will be determined in the fall. And yeah, I hope that there's some engagement here. Yeah. And that comes in the form of, hey, we really like to see median age. Yeah. Or, hey, you forgot about this. Or literally just coming up with a name that represents the place in which you live. Yeah. I think the only candidate, uh, shout out to Chris Weich for his website, refers to District 1 as the Crown District. Because it's at the top? Because it is at the top. <laughs> uh, I will say that it is also... One of the richest districts in terms of <laughs> median income and folks experiencing poverty in that they don't yeah. much of them. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm curious to see what the names are because the, the, the districts are not like nice clean shapes, mm -mm. so they don't look like anything. Yeah. You know, they just look like blobs. Well, what's the one? Is it district four? District four is an L. Okay. So that could be the L. The, the I don't L, know. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see how it, how yeah, it yeah. turns out. Yeah. So. Cool. Again, that's ColumbusDistricts.com. Please do submit it. Walker, I want to give you the opportunity. You've been on before and talked about the things that Columbus does well and Columbus doesn't do so well. Anything for us this week? Um, I mean, my, my opinions on these things change all, all the time. Good. Uh, I can't remember what I said before, so I, I doubt anyone listening even <laughs> remembers if I don't remember. I think the thing that Columbus does well is that it is a city that is very easy to get involved with. Meaning, if you have an interest in a topic, uh -huh. you raise your hand and you're you have a seat at the table. You know, uh, whether that's a nonprofit you want to be involved in, if you want to be involved in your neighborhood, you know, especially with young people, I, I don't think there's a lot of barriers to entry for a lot of those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. Of course, your, your mileage may vary on this topic, yeah. you know, d d depending, but I, I think a lot of people just want to see young, interested people engaged in the process, whatever that may be, um, which I think is great. Something that we don't do well, and maybe this is just because I, I pay attention to this too much for my own good on social media, is that we don't do a good enough job of recognizing what problems are uniquely our own and what hmm. problems are state problems or America problems. Hmm. Uh, I see people all the time complaining that like Columbus city schools are terrible. And it's like, yeah, so are major city school districts in every major city in America. Hmm. And that's because America does not fund public education to the level that it should. Mm -hmm. So not that that's an excuse why we shouldn't be focused on that problem, but our solutions, you know, our, our problems are not our own uniquely. And so maybe sometimes looking outward, you can find better solutions than looking inward. People complain about our transit system. And it's like, unless you live in, you know, one of like five major U.S. cities, the transit system sucks all across America. Well, but we are the largest <laughs> metropolitan area without a fixed transit system. Sure. Okay. That is true. But, you know, people complain about our existing bus infrastructure and it's like mm -hmm. that we're kind of par for the course in America. You know, unless you look outside of America for, you know, real transit systems, most major cities just do not have good transit. People complain about how, you know, we have an affordable housing mm -hmm. problem. And again, that's every major city in America has an affordable housing problem right now. These are these are not unique Columbus problems. We do need to address them. But I, I think this sort of like self-shaming of like we, we should be ashamed of ourselves because we have this problem is maybe not the whole story. As always, I don't know if I completely agree with you, but okay. that's fair. See, where I thought you were going to go is 
Columbus is great because everyone has the opportunity to participate. What I thought you were going to go for was what Columbus is not doing so well is having people participate. Oh, sure. I mean, well, that would be the the opposite of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's where I wanted you to go. But again, I think that's <laughs> I, I keep this in. <laughs> I, I think that's an America problem. I think when you look at like your average person who just wants to sit at home and watch Netflix and order Chipotle, like that's every city all across the United States. That that's you know I think people are having the same conversations you and I are having right now in Nashville and Chicago and Atlanta and Denver hmm. and Charlotte and everywhere else in between. You know, it, it's easy to not be involved, especially coming out of the pandemic when we all develop some bad habits about just staying at home and doing nothing. Hmm. Walker. Yes. Thank you for your time. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me, Tim. Thank you for listening to the Confluence Cast presented by Columbus Underground. Again, you can get more information on what we discussed today in the show notes for this episode at theconfluencecast.com. Please rate, subscribe, share this episode of the Confluence Cast with your friends family, contacts, enemies, your favorite elected official. If you're interested in sponsoring the Confluence Cast, get in touch with us. We can be reached by email at info at theconfluencecast.com. Our theme music was composed by Benji Robinson. Our producer is Phil Cogley. Special thanks this week to Caroline Thompson. I'm your host, Tim Fulton. Have a great week. (music) 